Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I'm really excited about this one because for the first time, I had the chance to sit down with a past private coaching client of mine, and we got to talk about not only her experience with relationship anxiety, but how her relationship has grown in the last few years since our work together. And what I really love about this episode is that this is actually one of my very first private coaching clients, and it goes to show you that the tools, the practices, and the information from the coaching experience is not one and done. It's tools and practices and information that you can keep coming back to and keep creating growth in your life and relationship. It gets to be this big upward spiral where you learn something and then practice it and then revisit it and keep practicing and learning. It's one big upward cycle of growth. So there is some great wisdom from my client in this episode and I'm really excited for you to hear what she has to share. Now if you are in a relationship that you really want to work out yet your anxiety gets in the way and you know that having someone who's been in your shoes to guide and support you as you learn to navigate moments of anxiety would be invaluable, then check out the show notes to apply for private coaching. This is a 12-week experience where you and I work together through the things that are blocking you from feeling content and at peace in your relationship. Past coaching clients share that this experience is life-changing. It's the best investment they could make in themselves and their relationship and that they felt like a new woman after our time together. So apply for private coaching via the link in the show notes and from there, I will review your application and touch base with you with next steps if I think it would be a good fit for us to work together. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this conversation with my past private coaching client, Alexis. Hi, Alexis. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you. And actually, you were one of the first clients I had. And so it's only right that you're now one of the first clients that I interviewed to kind of share a little bit more about your experience with coaching. And I know that there's going to be so many nuggets for people to take away from your experience. So let's just get right into it. I think that it's really helpful to kind of paint the picture for other people of kind of where you were at before the coaching process began, because as you know, it can feel really isolating and lonely when you don't hear other people who have experienced this type of thing. So before you were coaching, can you share a little bit more about like how you were feeling, what was coming up for you, what was going on in your relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So my relationship started during COVID, which I feel like was a very transformative time for a lot of people. And when the relationship started, it felt a little different than previous relationships I've had or even previous flings or whatever you want to call it just felt a little bit different where I really enjoyed my partner, but I had so much anxiety and I didn't even know what anxiety quite felt like or what was happening, but it was very overwhelming I almost experienced it daily. And then I got to the point where I almost had a physical reaction where I was like really sick Mm -hmm. and almost having a panic attack. And it was just scary and overwhelming. And then 
I would obsessively Google constantly and type in how I was feeling. And a lot of times when you Google, you just find articles on you're not with the right person, move on, this is a sign. So that just perpetuates the anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I would just feel even more overwhelmed. And then one day I came across OCD, the term OCD, and I was reading about it and I thought, wow, this really pertains to how I've always been my whole life. And then I came across relationship OCD and relationship anxiety. So I ended up just kind of segueing into like how I even came to coach with you was I typed it into Instagram and I found a few things, but it really wasn't a lot of information. And then I came across your page with like a couple thousand followers and some posts. And I just cried. I felt so relieved. I felt so heard. I was like, finally, someone is writing down exactly how I'm feeling and validating it. Hmm. And it was just such an incredible experience. And then I reached out to you to sign up for coaching. And I just realized like, this is the direction I want to move in. I want to try to learn about myself and kind of heal this, what's going on in my body and how it's manifesting in my relationship. So Hmm. it was a little, a little bit more detail (laughs) than the initial question. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. And I think that's what so many people can relate to is this sense of like what's going on. And then the natural thing to question when you don't know what's going on is to try to find those answers, which can then lead to more confusion. So can you share a little bit more of a like, I know we've talked obviously offline about kind of getting ready for this episode, some of the things that would be helpful to share. And you shared that some of the reasons maybe the anxiety was initially coming up is because you guys weren't in the same city, or maybe that there were some personal personality differences that you noticed, which made you kind of have some questions. So without necessarily getting too nitty gritty and and sharing everything, like what were some of the key things that made you be like, okay, how do I know if this is the right relationship or not? Yeah, that's a good question. We definitely lived in different places, different states. So it was sort of, okay, at some point we have to close the long distance, but what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to think of it as a sacrifice, like going into the relationship, I would always say sacrifice. And now it's kind of, you know, evolved into compromise, but it was sort of different places. We had really different ideas of family. We had different experiences growing up. I had a very large, involved conservative family for the most part. Mm -hmm. And he had a very small family, had some um, just internal family issues. Mm -hmm. So that kind of played into the way we saw our futures playing out. And it made it difficult because they always say, you know, red flags and all these things. So it, it contributed to my anxiety and made me question, you know, are we clashing over these big things that just aren't meant, you know, air quotes, not meant to be. But those I I would think would be, and I was definitely a people pleaser too. So I didn't even know who I was going into that relationship. I would kind of, you know, if we don't have the same interests, we don't have the same views. We're so different. Like all these things that kept popping up Mm. in my anxious thoughts. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that's, again, such a common theme is these personality differences and parsing out like what actually feels like a really big value clash where like maybe this goes against something that's really important to me. And you brought up that really great word sacrifice. And maybe in our head and our anxious head, like we think every single thing that is a potential option to compromise is always a sacrifice. Now I'm not here to advocate for people 
completely sacrificing their whole identity for a relationship. And I think it's so important to strengthen your own identity, which is something you were able to do. Um, I know in the last few years started with our coaching journey, but so much of it also was probably just like, again, COVID was a transitional time and got you thinking. But I do think that with personality differences, it's just one of those things where like, it does involve getting to know yourself. What do I really want? What do I value? And sharing that with your partner and having them share it with you. So you can start understanding like, oh, what would family look like for us in the future? Maybe there's a more creative solution here than what I'm initially coming up with in my kind of black or white thinking. Absolutely. And you've helped me. One tool specifically in that was creating a really safe space for your partner too. So when you guys are having personality differences or clashing and really getting to understand like, where is your partner coming from? What is their experience? Because so many times our egos are, you know, fighting essentially. And it's hard to be present when you're talking about these things that feel so daunting. So mm-hmm. that was a great skill that I've we've incorporated into our relationship. I love that. And did you find when you were setting the intention to create a safe space for your partner that it created more openness and more connection and maybe then you felt like there was a safe space being reciprocated to you as well? Absolutely. And I think it takes time though. Like it's evolved over time where now we can have an hour conversation that might be hard and triggering where at the beginning it might've been five minutes because it was just hard to stay present and not be so triggered. But it definitely has like a downstream effect of also feeling like I could be heard in return. Mm, I love that. If there's something that does come top of mind between what used to be a five minute conversation, but now can be an hour, is there something you're doing internally, either like a cognitive, like mindset practice or a body-based practice that's helping you feel like you can lean into that discomfort, so to speak, for a longer period of time? Or would you say that it's more so like because you've gotten more practice? Or how would you say that process has allowed you to grow in those types of conversations? Mm -hmm. I think it's the language, like using I language versus you is just, you don't feel attacked, your partner doesn't feel attacked and continuing to use the I language. And Mm -hmm. then we've adopted this method of like five minutes. So if we both feel ourselves getting triggered, whether on the phone or in person, we hang up for five minutes or just take five minutes in a different room. Because if we feel like our nervous system just getting really anxious and frustrated, we both realize like we're not hearing each other. We're just trying to defend our point. And so just taking five minutes to breathe and kind of calm down sometimes. And sometimes we do five minutes over and over again. It's like, okay, another five minutes, we're still frustrated. Yep. But, or we just realize we need to shelf it for another day. But I think the language that we use and allowing our bodies to calm down was huge. It, it really changed a lot of our conversations. And because then once you start getting to a point where you start defending your point or yourself, sometimes you say things you don't necessarily mean, or you're coming from a place of fear. And then you have to do so much work to undo that conversation rather than just like pausing and giving yeah. space. So oh my gosh, so important, so important. And especially when you're defending your position, I was just having this conversation actually in a session. So um, similar wavelength, but like when we are kind of like putting a hundred percent responsibility on someone else, like they did something that bothered me kind of going back to that safe space analogy that you were giving. It's like, well, 
did I create a safe space for them to do something different and maybe Mm -hmm. not? And so even if yes, like, let's give an example of someone told like a white lie to you, but it was because they knew you would be upset if they told you what was really happening then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, am I fostering a safe space for that person to be 100% authentic with me? Now, I'm not here to say that lying is okay and that we should be condoning it. No, but if we are trying to put 100% responsibility on something else instead of looking at where we can contribute, then it's just going to be harder for us to actually take action on that thing. Absolutely. I am completely aligned. That is so true. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for bringing those examples in. So One thing we also talked about before this conversation was that you had some hesitation to share this, not only with your partner, I remember, but also like you didn't really want to talk about it with family or with friends because you had never really understood the issue and you thought that it would mean that people would judge you or maybe that your partner would be upset by this or feel threatened. So Mm -hmm. when did you become more comfortable about the idea of potentially sharing some of this? And then do you remember how some of those conversations went that felt helpful to both you and your partner? Yeah, that's a good question too. When I started working with you, I think I framed it to my partner as though I'm just essentially getting therapy. I really didn't go into detail because I didn't want him to feel like it was all about him or he did something wrong, especially because I didn't really know how to frame it. And it didn't feel like I was hiding something from him. It felt like I was trying to understand myself and trying to figure that out first. So there really wasn't any shame. It was more of just, I didn't know how to articulate it. Mm -hmm. And then to family and friends, you know, everyone has opinions, which is great. But when you don't really understand yourself or what you're going through, it's so easy to outsource that information. So if I were to tell someone I'm working with Sarah, who's a relationship coach, they might say, why would you need to do that? Maybe you're not in the right relationship if you're trying to get help for your relationship. So I think it was trying to just protect my own energy and not get too many opinions. Yeah. So I really think... Once I started coaching with you and we got to the point about like self-trust and building self-trust, which to be honest was like my least favorite part of the whole thing. It was so hard for me. (laughs) But once I started building a little bit of self-trust and knew like, this is the right thing. I'm happy in this relationship. I'm happy coaching, like working with Sarah. Then I started to be a little bit more open about, hey, this is about relationship anxiety. It's not about you. I've always struggled with this. It's just because our relationship is so healthy. It's really coming out full force. So I had to give myself time to understand myself and what was going on before I was able to talk about it, which I think is completely valid if anyone's experiencing that. Totally. And two things that you shared that I think I want to bring up to the surface for others listening is like that element of initial privacy that you gifted yourself, which was, I don't need to say every little thing that's going on in my life to everyone around me. I'm allowed to do this for myself and understand myself and then share more. Now, this doesn't mean if you've already shared this with your partner that you're doing something wrong, but just giving yourself that permission that not every single thing needs to be shared. You do have the right to privacy in a relationship. And then also it sounds like when you did start sharing it with your partner, with people that you kept the focus on, this is a me thing. I understand a little bit more about what's going on with me. This isn't really about you. It's just my own journey. And so that probably felt very freeing for those other people because then they could support you versus feeling like it was personal. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Taking that ownership in every way has been really important. So Mm. it's been good. And would you say, this is kind of a sidebar, but with self-trust being one of your least favorite things initially, now being on the other side of coaching and seeing the benefits of practicing self-trust, would you say it's now something that you're grateful that you were able to navigate? (laughs) Absolutely. I think that the skills and the tools that we've worked on apply to your entire life. It's not just your relationship. For me, relationships are most important to me in my life. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how it manifested. But I mean, I've changed jobs because I just feel like it's not, it wasn't right for me. Or there's certain things that I've done that have really changed my life because now I value my own voice rather constantly outsourcing and people pleasing and so worried about disappointing someone. And I think Mm. the best thing I remembered was I'm always going to disappoint someone. Even if Mm. I have the quote unquote perfect partner, someone's going to find something they don't like about them. So it really doesn't matter what other people feel like because you're never going to please everyone. Mm. And that was like the most freeing thing with self-trust to be like, if I'm disappointing myself at the end of the day, I have to live with that. And that's so much harder than other people. So it's been good. (laughs) Really beautiful. And I remember one thing we talked about too, was this, I think was a particular thing that came up for us a couple of times, which was like, you can help influence how other people see what's going on. But if you come in with a certain energy of like, what do you think? What do you think? Then they're probably going to think that you don't feel good about it and try to insert their opinion, which sometimes isn't actually what you really need. Whereas when you've taken the time to, like you said, build that self-trust muscle, listen to your own voice, and then you set the tone for family and friends or someone around you. Most times people that love you want to support you and get on board with what you're doing as long as you feel like you understand what you're doing. So I think that was a really big thing that I remember us talking about a handful of times too, because once you did build your own voice and I saw you building that confidence, we talked about how to set that tone for other people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were great in helping me just set boundaries for myself. And boundaries are so healthy and important. And it really allowed me to just figure out what I valued and what I wanted. And like you said, set that tone because if my mom wanted to give me feedback, it's okay to like set a boundary and say, I don't really want to talk about this right now, Mm -hmm. which even though it was hard, I think it is important because ultimately it's your life. And so you want to consider the people around you, but it's your journey and your path and keeping that in mind has really helped me move forward. So Mm, yeah, that segues kind of perfectly into something that you shared was helpful advice for you, which was kind of these notions of take what works, but leave the rest or asking the question, does this advice make me feel good? Again, reverting back to like yourself and that own inner voice is such a common theme of this discussion. But what would you say, like when there's all these different pieces of advice that are just kind of like basic. They don't have any nuance. Like they are just kind of like one size fits all advice. Do you find that now you're better at like parsing out those pieces of advice? I think it really depends on where I'm at. Like if I'm feeling, if I'm struggling and I'm not getting enough water that day and getting enough sleep and I see this advice, it can send me into such a anxiety, like rabbit hole essentially. But if I'm feeling more grounded then I can look and say like, okay, I can see the truth in that, but there's there's context here that's missing. So it really depends on like which lens I'm looking at it. But overall, yes, I realize that most relationship advice 
is so general. And most of the time people giving you advice are just projecting their own what they want or what they struggle with onto you. And that has been really important to remember too, where I'm like, okay, this person doesn't really have this thing. And so they're putting it on me because they don't want me to experience what they're going through. So yeah, it's been an interesting perspective flip in that way. Totally. And for the record, for anyone listening, like I am in the exact same boat as you where like, if I'm having a, like, maybe I just went on like a two day, like weekend, like drink fest. And I just wasn't eating right. Wasn't sleeping great. I can have my own Sunday scaries still. Like I can still go down a rabbit hole of like stalking a couple online and being like, Oh, like they seem like so much fun. Like, am I not as fun? You know? And so (laughs) I just think what you brought into this is so important. Like there's going to be different moods that you're in essentially based on how you're showing up for yourself like physically but also mentally Mm -hmm. and to kind of take some of those moods not with a grain of salt as in like you ignore them but just knowing what is the anxiety or fear voice and what is the more clear-headed voice when you've taken care of yourself and you're nourished and all of that absolutely and speaking of that too I used to kind of almost blame my partner for all my moods and that it was all his actions and his behavior. We're now taking accountability for realizing that he's just the barometer or the mirror for based on my own moods. And that was a really a game changer for me to be like, he's just mirroring back to me what kind of mood I'm in that day. And I'm reacting to him based on my own mood, not because of him. I'm not saying that, you know, there's certain things that he would do that would also contribute, but he wasn't the sole reason. And I think that's important to remember, just going back to like taking ownership for your own self and your own moods and your own behavior. And Mm. it really takes the focus off your partner. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And do you find that there's, it doesn't have to be the same thing each time, but maybe like, is there one common tool or one common action that you take when you notice that you're just in one of those moods? Is it more of something that you're being kinder to yourself for it? Or is there a specific action that you take to kind of shift into a state where you're feeling a little less, uh, I guess, reactive to things around you? Mm -hmm. If I'm in a space where I can't move, then breathing is just a couple deep breaths and just resetting is so helpful. And if I'm, if I have time or I can move around getting outside and getting fresh air really just kind of helps me change my changes, my scenery, it's my blood flowing. So those are the two things that I realize, which is, you know, get out of your head and into your body. So breathing in the moment or moving really, then I come back to it 30 minutes later and I'm like, all right, I'm not as mad anymore. <laughs> or you just have clearer <laughs> eyes. So yes, I That's so important. love that. So important. So earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you when you first met your partner, you guys were doing long distance. And if I have my facts correct, you know, I have a plan in motion to kind of connect and be in the same city. So talk to me a little about like, the pressure that you had felt of closing the gap, like you had said at the beginning. And then when you were able to release some of that pressure, how things ended up going at their own pace that worked for you guys. Mm -hmm. Going into a long distance relationship, like immediately, you know, that at some point you have to figure out how to be in the same space. And my partner owned a business where he was at and I was working from home, even though my family was where I was living, but he had a little bit more... Um, responsibilities that were tying him into his location. So going in when we started dating, it was always, you know, I would be the one to move. And so Mm -hmm. that was difficult for me because it 
for so long felt like a sacrifice. Like, why am I sacrificing if his life is going to remain the same? And then, so we met five years ago, but started dating three and a half years ago. So it's taken three and a half years for me to really build trust in the relationship day after day, have really hard conversations about what do I want this to look like? And so we've really shifted the framework from, not the framework, but really shifted the idea of sacrifice to compromise because it's just such, it's more gentle language. And to think Mm -hmm. of it as though we're both compromising to be together rather than sacrificing who we are. Mm -hmm. And so it's now because we do have a plan because I feel more comfortable in where we're at in our relationship to say, okay, I'm comfortable moving to you. This is what we both agreed. We want our life to look like and how I can still foster my own sense of identity in moving. So I think a lot of people, because you're long distance, always ask you, you know, when are you moving in together? And that creates the pressure, other people's questions, other looking at other people's journeys. You take that internally and say, is this not the right person if I'm not in a rush to live together? But now I'm so happy because I'm finally in a place where I'm still scared. I'm very apprehensive to move, but I'm also okay with it. And I know Mm -hmm. that I'm in such a better place about it mentally than I was two years ago. And just allowing myself to do it in my own time has been just amazing because I'm not putting any pressure on myself anymore. And I'm saying when I'm ready, we'll make it happen. And also when people ask, that's what I say too. When we're ready, we'll do it. And it just, it's been really good. It's been really helpful. So I love that. Such a good reminder that you can trust the timeline and usually things aren't as urgent as we think they are. And also, like you said, when people ask you questions, if you have that answer of like, we'll do it when we're ready, it's kind of like, all right, I'll shut up now. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have to push this any further. But also another thing for the record, like, I just want to make sure people listening to this know that the things that you're saying, it's not like I'm so beyond past those things. Like when me and Nate moved to Sweden, I had my own, like, what's life going to look like? How is this going to go? Like, I had my own question marks. And yes, I was excited for the new chapter, but we just moved home recently. And I still have some of those question marks of like, how is it going to be when we're both working from home all the time or whatever it is? So just because there are some questions about something, or maybe there's a little bit of fear, like you said, there can still also coexist the trust or like I got this and I am ready at the same time so it doesn't have to be one or the other it doesn't have to be all bliss about moving or all sadness it gets to be a mixture yeah absolutely and help remind me too there was blog or an email that you sent out about like just past the fear essentially like the fear is still there but if you're just a little bit Mm. help me phrase that too but it's that idea which has really stuck with me about the fear is still there, but if you can get yourself to do it, it's okay to move forward. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I feel like what sentiment is, is like the, if you're kind of like feeling the fear and doing it anyway, not in a way of like ignoring any fear, but more so like, it's okay to still move forward while fear is in kind of like the passenger seat, but you're in the driver's seat and Mm -hmm. maybe you know, a question for anyone listening would just be like, is this something that if the fear wasn't here about what might not work, like, would I want to move forward and do mm-hmm. this? And usually that answer is often yes. Now that doesn't make the fears just evaporate, of course, but it's helpful to build that self-trust of like, okay, can I trust that even though I'm scared that I can figure out creative solutions to make this work? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you for reminding me of that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. 
Uh, one thing too that I think was really interesting about our time together was there was a focus on allowing yourself to, you know, like have healing be its own process and not being linear and leaning into kind of like the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows of not only your personal growth, but like the growth of a relationship. And I feel like there were some times where maybe things were going well and then you kind of were like, oh, I feel anxious again. And at first it was like, oh, wait, should that be happening? And then you really started to trust yourself that, no, I can handle the ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs. And I trust that there's going to be a new season in the future where like things are back to how I want them to be. So can you share any insight on how that's helped you moving forward? Mm hmm. I think when things are great, you're so excited. And then when you go through an ebb of anything, you feel, you can feel so hopeless or daunting, or if you're not in connection with your partner for a couple weeks or a couple months or a year, it just makes you question and can really ramp up the anxiety. But I also, I think the desire to get through it sometimes um, prolongs the process where mm -hmm. if I just allow it to be and say, you know, I've been struggling, I haven't felt confident at work or I haven't been feeling well. And I'm taking that into the relationship. Usually we move through it so much quicker. So I think it's just the pressure when you can take the pressure off and just allow what is, you just feel so much better because you can accept it and move through it. But then when we resist it is when it tends to last for longer. And I've really kept that in mind for anything. Like if I, again, if I'm having a hard time at work and if I just let it be, usually it gets back on track. So when I pertain that to something outside of my relationship, it's all the same. I just feel like the stakes are higher in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's where we put so much focus on, are we in connection with our partner? Are we fighting? Are we disconnected? Like it just, there's this constant lens on how myself and him are feeling together as in partnership. Yeah. So powerful. Just like for extra context there, I think basically what you're saying is if you feel disconnected by saying, oh yeah, we feel disconnected right now like period, end of story, mm -hmm. you're probably inevitably going to just move forward sooner. But if you're feeling disconnected and then you are like, well, why? Like, what have we done? And like, we're trying to almost like get this answer of like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. So how do I fix it? And then it becomes this whole tailspin versus like, yeah, we're having disconnection right now. Maybe it's been for a few days. Maybe it's been for a few weeks. And maybe even there's been months where you felt like maybe not in the full sync of things. But if you keep saying this shouldn't be here. Why, why, why? It's just going to bring up almost like this dust <laughs> pile yes, of stuff yes. versus like acceptance is almost like allowing the dust to settle and trusting you can move forward. Absolutely. And do you notice too, like I notice for me, sometimes if I'm struggling personally, that is just what's playing into the relationship. If I'm mm -hmm. not feeling connected with myself, it's that's usually when we're in an ebb. Do you experience that with Nate too, where your For sure. personal experience is really playing out and how you guys are connected? A hundred percent. Yeah. I would say that's like one of the biggest things. And like you said earlier, so beautifully, like there's a mirror happening. So when your partner is, you know, reacting to your energy, it's like, that's the mirror effect of like, oh, maybe this is actually something that has to do with me right now. And you know, not to, again, diminish something that they did or something going on as the dynamic in the relationship, but we can only control ourselves and we can only influence the dynamic through our own actions or beliefs, not the other person. So I think it's really great to bring that into. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I think it just goes back to that idea of ownership. When you own your own feelings, thoughts, emotions, it really takes the lens off your partner and then they can be more supportive and loving and healing of their own journeys. And so it's good. It's all just very positive. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Okay. So a few more questions and then we'll wrap up here, but there was something you said when we were emailing to prepare for this, where I just like copied and pasted the quote because it was I feel like so inspiring and I know other people will hopefully relate to this, but you said, when I decided to work with Sarah, I wasn't planning on changing my partner, but he's evolved so much in the last three and a half years. My relationship now is so much better and stronger than the initial infatuation or getting to know you phase of the relationship. So can you share a little bit more about like how your partner has changed or evolved without maybe you feeling like you had to take the lead on that. And then also what you mean when you said that it's better or stronger than that initial infatuation. Mm -hmm. I think it sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like creating that safe space for each other. So the more I was able to do that and learn how to do that, I would learn more about my partner. And then in turn, we learn more about each other as a couple and where we're coming from. And then he began to trust me as well. And so it just, it had such a positive, again, like downstream effect. And so because we went into the relationship having such different ideals, clashing on so many things, now, three and a half years later, we look at it as such a positive growth opportunity because if we just agreed on everything sometimes we don't it wouldn't spark those really important conversations where mm -hmm. now because we have such different ideals we will just spend hours and hours and hours talking about something that we see differently but then by the end of the conversation we understand each other's perspective and then we have a new idea of how to move forward so mm -hmm. he's grown and i've grown into what I thought something once was like my idea of having children, having a family is so different what it was three and a half years ago to now, because I've had a question myself and go, why do I think that way? Why do I believe that? And it's really helped just spark amazing conversation and growth as a couple. Mm -hmm. And so to me, like that intimacy, that growth, trusting someone, understanding someone, having someone understand you is so much more beautiful and connected than the beginning of the relationship where you just are so infatuated in this love bubble. That's still wonderful. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on and you evolve and become more vulnerable with someone, for me personally, I feel like that has just been so much more beautiful than the beginning of the relationship. So mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say, and no one talks about that. You see all these movies and these songs it's all about the beginning of a relationship when you're courting someone and there's that intense attraction. And then the best part is when you swap it out for vulnerability and trust. And when you're sick and they're taking care of you, like that mm -hmm. is so much more sexy and beautiful than the beginning part of a relationship. So mm -hmm. yeah, but it takes time to build. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. Last couple questions here. So what would you say about the process of coaching? Like, what would you say has been some of the things that you're just like, this was really helpful for me in my journey. And I'm not trying to say that everyone who's listening to this has to coach with me personally, but like, why did having a coach? And then of course I was your coach, but why was that important for you to help you in your journey? And what do you think is the benefit of getting a mentor or someone that can really guide you through this experience? Mm -hmm. 
having someone that's already, that isn't already been through, that is still going through it and that can firsthand relate is so important or it was for me. Mm -hmm. And I've said this a million times, like I have a degree in psychology. I've worked with therapists. So I've had that experience. And sometimes you just don't feel the connection with those people. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I'm not digging therapy. I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. But I think relationship anxiety is very nuanced. And it's not something that a lot of really therapists know a lot about unless they specialize in OCD. And so I feel like working with you, being able to articulate create a safe space, articulate how you were feeling and for me to relate and then to create a safe space was really important. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like, I can't put a price tag on that. To go into a situation and feel heard and feel like someone is giving me the tools and helping me on this journey was so important. And so, I mean, I've said this to you so many times, Sarah, but it was so life-changing in the best way. And I talk about you to my friends going through it. I'm like, you got to follow her her stuff and her information, or if you want to work with her. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing that this community is creating. And it's really changing the way in which people are in relationships. So I'm so excited to see like 10, 20 years from now, how this changes the culture of how we interact in partnership. Mm -hmm. So I could go on and on, but I think it's okay that even if you have a therapist and you also want to work in a coaching space, there's a lot of benefits to that as well. If that's what works for you and you feel like that's what you need, then I highly recommend that too. Mm, well, thank you so much for the kind words. And it's just been awesome to see, like we have kept in touch or just like every so often I'll hear an update or just mm-hmm. like hear what's going on. And it really is so cool. Like for me as a coach to know that kind of like how our partners can be mirrors to us really as a coach I'm just here to kind of mirror some things that I'm noticing and suggest some things that could be beneficial but also help you uncover really your own voice and what feels true for you and what's authentic for you and so I always just feel so grateful to get to see people's progress because obviously you know that's what I'm hopefully here to help do and so I'm grateful that you were able to come share your story and that other people get to learn from you because you have so many awesome ideas to share so with that said I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody who's a guest uh, as the one final question what is one thing that you have learned about love that you want to leave listeners with I would say I mean I feel like you really um, share this idea frequently, but like love is so unique. So like your partnership is not like anyone else. And even if it looks similar, it's not the same. And keeping that in mind is like what works for you might not work for someone else and vice versa. And keeping that idea throughout your relationship, I think is so important because you're unique, your partner's unique and your relationship is unique. And acting in that way is going to just help I think throughout the partnership. Mm. So you, you always say that, but it's really been life-changing. Well, I'm glad that you've learned it too, and that you feel like it's an idea that resonates with you. So, I mean, the things that I've learned and that I share, I learned from someone else too. So it's not like I've just come up with all of these (laughs) ideas about love and relationships. I'm just sharing them in my own unique perspective. And so the way that you just said it may really click with someone in a way that they haven't clicked with what I'm saying. So I appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Thank you so much for joining me. And thanks everyone for listening. I will see you in a future episode. Um, And if you have any questions about the coaching experience, don't hesitate to send me a DM at you love and you learn and we can talk more about that. All right. Thanks everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the you love and you learn podcast. 
If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.